You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, host of Food for the Future, a weekly podcast that brings the humanities to today's food dialogue by showcasing everyday people trying to make a difference. This show is part of the series Waste Not, featuring stories from innovators and creators who spend their lives revitalizing our agri-food system so our human family can find the way forward together. We'll be addressing school food advocacy and the House of Commons petition with Carolyn Webb from the Ontario chapter of the Coalition for Healthy School Food and Sustain Ontario. Welcome, Carolyn. Thanks so much, Peggy. It's really great to be here. It's lovely to have you. Let's just jump right in, Carolyn, with what is the Coalition for Healthy School Food? Yeah, so the Coalition for Healthy School Food is an ever-growing network of over 260 not-for-profit member organizations and growing, and more than 120 endorsing organizations. And we're working together to get public funding and Canada-wide standards that would eventually see all kids and uh, all children and youth having daily access to healthy food at school. So we have chapters across the provinces and territories asking for more funding um, and support from provincial and territorial governments. And as a national coalition, we're asking the federal government to step up and match any existing funding for the health of kids across the country. Okay, so a really dedicated, wide and broad group right across the nation, common aim of school food and all that that means for the life chances of every person in Canada. So why does Canada need a national school food program, though? Yeah, it's a great question and one we get asked a lot. So what Canadians don't realize is that uh, school food programs are actually the norm around the world. We're the only G7 country without a nationally harmonized school food program and one of the few OECD countries without one. And only around 30 to 40 percent of students across Canada have access to any school food programs that can range from a hot lunch to a granola bar. And we know our kids' diets aren't great in general for so many reasons, including family time pressures, household budgets, lack of food skills, and so much more. And this can lead to a lot of chronic diseases down the road. We know that that health is related to diet. Kids can also come to school hungry for so many reasons, including long bus rides and the challenges of the increasing cost of food that's putting a lot of pressure on household budgets. So we know that kids um, can't learn if they're hungry. And we know that the health of our next generation is related to diet. And so we're saying that uh, school food programs can make a big difference. So it really does connect in having a national school food program with really every social institution, education, families, uh, health, economics, right, the next generation, and also culturally appropriate foods. Uh, And it's a policy issue. So it really does cross all social institutions. And so very, very important. And you had mentioned that Canada um, needs to catch up to the G7 countries because it is the norm. Um, You've mentioned the access that Canadian students have now, only 30%. But what are the benefits um, specifically of a national school food program, education's in the hands of the province? Why do we need it nationally coordinated? Yeah, um, and I'll touch on it a little bit more as uh, throughout the interview, but I'll just say right now that um, they have such a wide range of benefits um, from health to the economy, as you pointed out. Um, but we know that they can help kids learn about healthy eating and how to support a healthy diet. They also make sure kids have access to healthy food and are ready to learn. Um, they provide a community economic and environmental benefits when the programs purchase local food and have food literacy and sustainability built in. They support families. Um, most people who prepare children's lunches say it is a challenge for their day. 
And so it would be a huge um, pressure off of families as well to know that their kids um, are eating well at school. And when we talk about a national school food program, we're talking about enough funding so that um, those meals and snacks can be healthy and follow the, the food guide and really support the nourishment of, of children and youth. So we're not starting from nowhere. Clearly, we have Canada's food guide. So we have um, a broad guide of what we should be feeding in terms of healthy school food programming. We have programs already that are doing great work now that already know what the operations are, what it takes, how to coordinate purchasing, those kinds of things. So it's just that extra bit of funding to really have it roll out universally as what we're talking about nationally. What might the process look like? Let's say the government goes, okay, we're going to go ahead, we're going to fund this, we're going to work with the provinces. What would that process sort of look like with the coalition as a primary advocacy group for that moving forward? Yeah, what we've really spoken to is that there's so many, as you've said, Becky, there are so many systems in the provinces and territories that are working that have really great community partners and folks who are rolling out programs across the country in the schools. What we're asking from the federal government is to cost share with the provinces and territories and kind of match a lot of the funding already in the system to enhance them, make sure that the programs can be more robust, serve healthier food, um, expand their programming to other schools on wait lists. And um, and so that the channel would be the federal government would, um, similar to the child care agreements, fund school food programs um, directly to the provinces and territories to build up what already exists and strengthen it um, in a way that's appropriate to the different regions and, and communities. So all the details of how it would work would be very collaborative. So it's not like we're starting from nowhere to move a national universal school food program, not starting from nowhere globally. There's lots of examples. I'm sure Canada will want a unique to Canada model, and that would need to be looked at. But there's a lot of help already out there in the provinces and territories, and certainly all the people that are connected to it that aren't necessarily the amazing crew working in school food right now. I know there's lots of farmers that would like to partner there are lots of community agencies. There's a lot of people of goodwill. We have all kinds of volunteers and, and many groups that haven't yet joined the Coalition for Healthy School Food, but may want to look into it after listening to the show. I think that that's hopeful. But if we break it down to there's already incredible knowledge there, there is already great systems and people working. And, you know, good businesses is just part of operational review and, and strategic reviews. And so maybe there's a time to look at how we might do things together in a really great way to move things forward. So right now, Carolyn, there is a House of Commons petition underway. Now it has a shelf life. It ends on October 20th. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, thanks, Peggy. Um, we've launched this House of Commons petition, and we're asking everyone who can to sign it. So it's on the government website. It's a part of the official petition process, and it's asking for the federal government to allocate $1 billion over five years, um, because it, that was what the Liberals promised to do in their 2021 election platform. And we're asking for this funding, $200 million over five years, so $200 million per year for five years, to be in the 2024 federal budget or sooner. We're telling them it's time to meet their commitment and to make sure that kids across the country are supported and can be ready for their school day. The more signatures we can get, the better. And then once the petition closes, 
as you said, on October 20th. Um, after that, a member of the House of Commons, one of the MPs, will stand up and present it to all the rest of the MPs and the Prime Minister, and they'll give us a formal response. And we're doing a lot of other advocacy, meeting with MPs, meeting with cabinet ministers, and really making the case for this as um, a huge piece of our future social safety net and something that could really support families, especially in this time of rising food costs and uh, where we know more and more that food literacy and healthy diet for our kids is essential. Right. And understanding also those things where food comes from. You know, we hear a lot about the average age of farmers. We hear about the agri-food workforce, just understanding the food system and uh, all the opportunities that there are there. So it's really public education. I've always kind of thought is citizenship, but also employment and not overlooking all the innovations yet to be made in agri-food, but also the incredible jobs that exist now. So back to the policy, the House of Commons petition is underway until October 20th. And thank you for mentioning what people can do. So we can sign the petition if you read it, and that's something that you want to do. But also this MPP and MP advocacy, we all live in regions, they are there um, locally to support us, definitely connecting into seeing uh, what they know, what is being done, what they're willing to commit to once this gets read. So very, very helpful things on what we can do, because I know this is near and dear to our hearts. Now, you touched on one item in the policy background that the Liberals promised that this would be part of their budget moving forward. But do you have other policy background on why why we've arrived at a petition when promises have already been made? Yeah, we... Um... We know that the federal government had the election platform have a commitment of $1 billion over five years. They also put it into federal mandate letters. So they tasked the Minister of Families, Children and Social Development and the Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food to develop a national school food policy and a national school food program. And recently, however, with all the um, budget restrictions and everything, we think that they've just been saying there isn't the money. And we want people to say, well, you know, you are spending on some things. This is worth spending on. As I said, we're um, continuing to speak with decision makers. And we know that the national school food policy, as well as the report from the consultations that the government held about this, we know that those are coming out, but that they've been um, delayed by the recent cabinet shuffle. But we don't want the budget allocation to be delayed. We want to say, look, most countries are doing this. Canada can do this. The U.S., in fact, is moving more and more towards fully funded, uh, universal, so for every child um, programs, because they've seen the evidence. Um, We know how many countries have really robust programs because they know this matters. And we need to say our kids are worth it. We need to make sure that they can be healthy and ready to learn. And this will have so many implications for our future. So, yeah, we're just saying the budget is tight, sure, but this is a priority. And, uh, and it's time to do it. Right. And as you were speaking, I was thinking of, you know, research I've seen in cognitive and behavioral, you know, the relationship of food to that and helping every child be successful. So it's, it's just more than a, a public value. It has evidence and results. We know that behavioral issues at school can be so linked to diet. And we've heard many principals say that, you know, one of the first things they do when a child comes in for a behavioral issue is give them a bit of food and then they talk because um, so much is behind a lack of food or healthy food in a diet and can just 
and make a big difference. We feel for so many aspects of a child's life. Right, right. And while not part of this policy, it's a, it's just a personal interest of mine that we do have a lot of assessments when someone starts to struggle in school, psych, social, OTPT, speech language. And in my opinion, I think a clinical nutrition assessment for every child one-on-one should be something in our future. It's not part of this policy, but it is something to consider. And the reason why I brought up healthcare is because we're talking about $1 billion over five years, $200 million. And in my province, the projected shortfall over the next, well, five years is billions and billions. So if we can um, help people be nourished and successful, I think that it's a good investment. What are some of the barriers? We've talked of all of these good things. So what are some of the barriers? We all agree we want this. Um, what's happening? Barriers. Yeah, uh, really, it's the funding. I mean, as we said, you know, budgets are tight. And I think it's also Canadians aren't familiar with school food programs. It hasn't been a part of our history. And we've been learning more and more that that's because in the 1940s, while many programs were being developed around the world, Canada decided to give families a family allowance instead of of funding a school food program, in part to get women back home after being in the workforce when men were at war. And that set the stage to not develop a program and really put school food prep on the backs of bombs. And the interesting thing is how that's just continued until now. It has led to the situation that we're in now that seems the norm, but that uh, came out of a very different time period. So I think that's one of the barriers is just the assumption that no parents are supposed to pack lunches and this is the responsibility of families. Meanwhile, our whole education system exists to support students. And one um, person who's a part of the uh, World Food Organization and really supports school food programs, uh, Dr. Donald Bundy has said, we need to support the learner, not just the learning. We can't just give info to students and have them receive it if they're not prepared to receive it. And so we need to support the whole learner. And that includes food. Right. And uh, just speaking to the history, I was thinking if we look to uh, the United States, and that's certainly not the only place to look in the world, but the uh, historical burden in funding from ag and food. In my opinion, I don't think we can just look to the ag budgets to fund this when we are looking at an end that directly impacts certainly many ministries, but Ministry of Health and its preventative. In my opinion, and part of this dialogue is this should not be the sole burden of ministries of agriculture, either federally, provincially, or territorially. So thank you so much for making sure that we all know about the House of Commons petition for school food that'll end on October 20th. So please go to Sustain Ontario, the Coalition for Healthy School Food or the federal government petition site and look for the petition to inform yourself. After the break, we'll hear more with Carolyn Webb from the Coalition for Healthy School Food about advocacy. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I'm Peggy O'Neill, host of Food for the Future. We're speaking with Carolyn Webb from Sustain Ontario, the Alliance for Healthy Food and Farming, and also the Ontario chapter of the Canadian Coalition for Healthy School Food. We're talking about school food advocacy and the human significance of their work. Carolyn, this show is part of the Waste Not series, and we've been talking about school food programming. What losses do we avoid through a national school food program in Canada? So we know that serving kids a wide range of different healthy foods and um, helping them enjoy them and develop a palate for that can help them enjoy eating the food that's on their plate, really um, explore a wide range of foods and not waste as much of the food that's there. 
We also know that if school food programs are designed with sustainability in mind, they can really help avoid all the lunch waste associated with packed lunches. And so we think yogurt tubes, um, all the wrappers and everything, that if we can do as much uh, made from scratch work as possible, then we can really avoid a lot of that that packaging waste that we see and have kids really want to eat the food. Um, so a, a great combined set of benefits. We know that food literacy work can be best done when it's tied into the food that kids eat during the day. And so if it's tied to the school food program where they're learning about their food systems and where food comes from and everything, can really help students learn how to take positive uh, action for the environment and take some next steps relating to food and their food systems. Uh, we also know that helping students develop the palate for fresh vegetables, fruits, and plant-based and wild proteins, eating fresh food um, can be consistent with a diet that emits low amounts of greenhouse gases and is good for the planet. And it can also stimulate public food procurement. So um, institutional food procurement has been seen as an important game changer to support and promote more sustainable food systems. And so we know that uh, enhancing our school food programs can really help with institutional food procurement and really supporting changes in how our food is produced and to really support those who are making those changes. So we get a lot, and you described a really holistic approach to not just school food, but food in general, right from getting kids to make things from scratch to, you know, global issues. So we really do get a lot. Carolyn, you work with teachers every day and people who are leading and working in school food programs. What's one of the most rewarding experiences that you've had? Yeah, I think I'll start by just saying how much I'm amazed at how much connects to food. Food can really support our local economies and our food providers can create those community connections. You know, the local farmer can connect with the students and tell them about how they run their farm or, you know, local elders can come in and talk about their traditional food systems. It can really bring people together in a magical way. But uh, I would say one of the things that seems to get people's eyes shining is just talking about how excited their students get when they grow and cook the food for themselves. You know, hearing about the kids' delight at pulling up, like, these enormous carrots that they <laughs> didn't realize were, you know, surviving under the ground, and then cutting them up and serving them in their meal program. The ripple effects, we know that food connects, and it's just really exciting seeing it and hearing it in real life. How comforting to know that a big carrot is still growing below the surface that you can pull out and discover and eat. So that is really encouraging. And this show, we try to bring the humanities to today's food dialogue and the humanities include ingenuity. And so how can ingenuity help us all move a national universally accessible school food program forward in Canada? So the coalition's developed a really neat diagram on our website at healthyschoolfood.ca. It's about the sustainable development goals, the 17 sustainable development goals that Canada has signed on to advance a part of the UN. They touch on everything from food security to farmer livelihoods to the health of the planet to climate change. And this diagram helps us realize that there are connections between school food programs and all of these aims that the world has committed to advance. And so, uh, you know, students can learn to mitigate climate change through different sustainable agricultural practices. They can learn about the health of our lands and waters and how to compost and can look at worker conditions. And so through the diagram, this sustainable development goal diagram and linking school food to it, we've realized we can have so many impacts on different systems through the food that we eat and learn about. If these programs are designed right with food 
literacy in mind to support our local food providers and all of that, they can have big impacts. And so when you talk about ingenuity, these school food programs can really be a driver for a lot of uh, the big changes that we need and want to see in the world. And and to really understand and create the local expression of those, you know, we think sustainable development goals, it's worldwide global citizenship, really, really important. We're part of something really big, but every community will express that differently and celebrate it. So that ingenuity, local ingenuity for global contribution, that's sort of what we're doing in this show. Carolyn, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share? I just really encourage everyone to share your voice. I mean, speak out, uh, sign our petition, uh, speak with your MP or MPP, uh, support your own school food program, you know, seek donations from community partners. I think all of our voices matter and all of our actions really matter, whether it's, you know, on the food literacy, support growing in the garden or speaking for the food to be served in the school. I think all of this can make a huge difference in our lives and the lives of our kids. So thank you. That's great. And immediate results, you can see it pretty quickly. You know, some investments, it takes a long time to get the return, but you can see it pretty quickly. As you mentioned, that big carrot that comes out of the ground and the kids, their eyes, and you had called them shiny. They get the eyes shiny. So, you know, that human experience. Thank you so much, Carolyn, uh, to you and the entire team at both the Canadian Coalition for Healthy School Food and Sustain Ontario for helping Canadian families and really the nation with school food advocacy and, and really for all the encouragement that that brings to all of us. Thanks a lot, Peggy. It was really great to be here. It was wonderful having you. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Carolyn Webb at the Coalition for Healthy School Food Ontario Chapter and Sustain Ontario about the House of Commons petition that's open until October 20th on school food. Each week, to keep revitalizing our communities together, we leave you and your family or friends with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? How could you help schools and food programs and advocacy? Something to do? Visit Sustain Ontario's website or the Canadian Coalition for Healthy School Foods website to learn more about the House of Commons school food petition and to see how agri-food organizations across Canada are using local action for global encouragement. Next week on the show, it's the series Back to the Future. We'll discuss visiting the pumpkin patch and agri-food traditions with Susan Lester Ryan with Lester's Farm Market all the way from Newfoundland. Don't miss a show. Subscribe on Curious Cast and other major podcast platforms. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our Platinum Elite Level sponsor, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday on 980 CFPL, Curious Cast, and where you get your podcasts.